0: Because myself has something to contribute to this world. When we are authentically ourselves, when we have our voice, when we have our energy, our sense of vitality, our sense of vibrancy, there's no stopping us.
1: Facts do not have opinions. Just don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. Self-love is really about self-respect and acceptance. Welcome to The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth of Real Everything. I'm here each week to dive deeper into how we can find happiness and health inside and out through self-love, body positivity, and discovering new ways to be our best selves. Before we get started, a reminder, this podcast is for general education purposes and is not intended to diagnose, advise, or treat any physical or mental illness we always recommend that you see a licensed health professional accordingly. This week, we are welcoming back Nina Manelson, who is a body piece coach and originally joined us on episode 10 to dive deeper into what that means. And then again for episode 41 around New Year's. And during that recording, we briefly discussed the concept of selfish not being a four-letter word.
0: And today,
1: Nina is here to help us wrap our brains around that concept. Nina is known for her deeply feminist anti-diet body piece approach, bringing 30 years experience as a therapist, National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach, Body Trust Guide, and Psychology of Eating Teacher to help women create a respectful and trusting relationship with their food and body. She helps people end the war and feel truly at home in their body. And Nina's body piece work is all about compassion. Her courses, coaching, and poetry positively change the conversation that women are having with themselves. And I know so many of us, myself included, have a hard time putting myself first. Even knowing how important self care is as a mother, colleague, wife, I often put others' needs before my own. And I'm excited to dive more into why that isn't necessarily good for anybody. And welcome back, Nina. Can you tell us more about how this topic kind of comes up for you in your work?
0: Yes, first of all, Stacey, I'm delighted to be back. And I work with women. This topic comes up for everyone. I wish it didn't. I honestly wish there were women who were like, yes, I am totally all about. Me. I can take care of myself. I made space and time and I prioritize myself. And I have no problem setting boundaries and, you know, really blocking time. i my kit. do I wish that was who we were as a group of women? Yes, I do. Is that who we are? No, it is not because we're not trained that way. As a culture, women have been trained into how can I best support you? How can I serve? How can I make this world a better place? How can I make sure my kids are doing better than I did when I was growing up? How can I support my school so that they can support more kids? How can I, you know, change the way that we have conversations at a cultural, international level? That's we're all about. So that if you could see my hands, it's like all about holding, right? the big basket of humanity. Let me hold everybody. Let me support everybody. Because fundamentally, we know in our very fiber of ourselves that when everybody feels supported, life is better. People are not at war, right? And what do we want as women? We want a culture where our kids can grow up in peace, right? Where they're not afraid. And so there is this internal directive of let me support, let me help the world. But in that, we sacrifice. We end up with that, let me hold the basket of humanity. And you can even try it physically in yourself, like literally as though you were holding a giant basket in front of you and then leave your hands there for five minutes. What happens? Right? We get exhausted. And that's the state of many, many, many of us is, wow, I am tired. And then we go, oh, I know what I need need to do. I need to take care of myself. I'll start training for a marathon and go on this new diet and let me, you know, take a 500 million new supplements and let me do this and let me do that. And then what happens is that list of self-care becomes another to-do list. And we're like, I don't have time. Or
1: we feel like a failure because inevitably, you know, yes. I think it's like 90 some percent of us end up not having sustainable implementations towards our health, right? Like no matter what that might look like. And therefore, then then we're settled not only holding the basket, but also feeling like a failure with shame and guilt and all the things.
0: Absolutely shame and guilt. And the the statistic is 95% of people who go on diets gain their weight back, if not more, in two to five years. So you're absolutely right on that. That idea of like, let me do something ends up in failure because, and this is where it gets into the meat of the difference between self care and I don't want to be selfish and I should be more productive and like this whole sort of hustle that goes on versus where's their support for me?
1: I feel so, so much of that. And I'm going to embarrassingly, when I was putting the show notes together, I realized what a nerd I've become. I'm reading a lot of books lately. And so I want to start our conversation in perhaps an unexpected place. But since I often center the show around topics selfishly, (laughs) pun Mm -hmm. intended Uh, around my own interests I figure that this is the right place to start so I'm currently reading the book we should all be millionaires a woman's guide to earning more building wealth and gaining economic power by Rachel Rogers have you heard of that book you know have you read it Mm
0: -hmm. I have I absolutely have yeah
1: it's it's like honestly I think the best self-help book that I've read since Alice of a Heart um, Mm -hmm. I wish that it was titled differently because I think The title turns a lot of women off, which is part of the conversation that I want to have. But like, as I listen in the car, I have to pull over and listen two or three times to several sections to take notes on a lot of the incredibly impactful statements, statistics and self-assessments that she shares, because I think a lot of it is this conversation that she's having with the women who are listening about not being selfish, about wanting this this power and all the things that come with money in a way that brings openness to people instead of feeling closed off to this selfish approach. So of course, that's one of the things that she addresses up front is how uncomfortable women are with money and how we believe ourselves that it's selfish to therefore, you know, wrong to desire money. And she goes on to then talk about to kind of help reframe that the peace and stability that money can bring mm-hmm. that you know for our children yeah. or for our political beliefs or social justice that change never happened without money and that without money you can't donate your time or your money to causes that matter to you and that women have been made to feel unworthy of being responsible or capable of managing money with like flippant cultural beliefs that we just need to purchase less shoes or lattes to be as successful as men with Mm -hmm. money management even though we know that women make less money to the dollar than men depending on your race or where you live your you know economic differences there but it's always less than men yeah and the entire history of humankind was built upon women being worthless outside of being a wife or mother. And for those of us that are born now, it's hard to kind of historically understand that. But we can, I think, reframe it like a statistic that's really impactful for me is thinking that my mother couldn't have owned her own bank account Mm -hmm. until RBG did groundbreaking work for women's rights and the equal credit opportunity act of 1974 so if we think about that like that my mother couldn't open a bank account without a bail Mm -hmm. Mm co-signer it's not that long ago that women were Mm. not empowered to own these things for themselves and i think that is where nina like you talking about feeling all this responsibility to others. And you mentioned children, right? If we have children, which I also read a study about, you know, the selfishness that women who don't have children are perceived, like all these kinds of things. And all of that also came up in another book that I was reading, Lessons in Chemistry, which is set in the 1950s. So listeners, both Mm -hmm. of those books are fantastic. Dive into them. And they both brought up a lot of these ideas for me as I knew we would be recording this. So I'm wondering, Nina, in how you see this come up for women in your work. So, for example, yeah. I'm sure you've heard, no, I couldn't possibly do X, Y, or Z to suggestions that you give because mm-hmm. they feel like selfishness for women who don't feel empowered to take over their finances or make decisions that they really truly want. Can yeah. you talk more about that?
0: Yeah. So one of the things that you're talking about both in in the, the book that you quoted and sort of in general is we're talking about safety and security, right? Do I feel safe? Do I feel secure? And how do I create that sense of safety in my self, in my body, in my every single cell, right? So one of the things is, i need money and our culture makes that harder for women but again underneath that if i have enough money then i get then i gain safety within myself there's a sense of it's okay i'll be okay and so often what happens for women that i see is there's a sense of i'm trying to create safety if i'm thin enough if I am useful enough, if I have the right, you know, body shape, if I'm eating just the right food, then I, again, that's that sense of, oh, I'll be safe because being in a small body in our world, there's thin privilege and there's a sense of a social currency. There's a sense of visibility. There's a sense of power that comes from that. But in that pursuit of safety and security. We give up our authentic selves. We give up. Wait, what do I need to actually take that exhale instead of being, and this is a Brene Brown term, being in that hustle for worthiness all the time. Right. So, what we want is to shift into this place of like, wait a second, what actually does Let me be authentically myself. What regulates my nervous system? Because underneath all this safety and security and money, and it's not that it's not real, we need money to function in this world. But what happens when we don't have those things, when we don't have the thin privilege, when we don't have the Security for the mortgage or the rent on the apartment, or whatever that is that makes us feel okay, I'm safe, is our nervous system gets cranked, right? So now we're talking about kicking into sympathetic nervous system activation. That's fight, that's flight, that's flee, that's flop, that's fawn, that's all those reactions that we do. I'm not safe. And then it's really hard to take care of ourselves. And it's what we need most is that sense of self-care, but then it feels selfish because I'm trying to just survive. I'm trying to get through the crisis. Let me put out the fires. So this idea of self-care becomes selfish because wait a second, my, you know, my mortgages is at risk here. So I better, you know, take those extra hours. I better work more. I better you know get thinner so that i you know because i have a perception if i'm in a small body then love will come to me and then i will have more security because then i will be with somebody right it gets very entangled in this concept of can i slow down and be in parasympathetic right that's that rest and digest that's that tend and befriend mode. That's the I'm okay as I am mode. And it t- feels hard to get there because it feels like, no, no, I have more important things to do. My house is on fire. I got to put out the house, to put out the fire. That's my reality. And so anything less than that becomes perceived as I'm being selfish.
1: This podcast is sponsored by Factor One. Chef prepared meals and smoothies delivered straight to your door and I've got a 50% off code for you. Gifting yourself the ease of not stressing about home cooking everything in trays that are BPA and PFAS free is self-care to me. It makes sure I get my 10, 10, 10 with a nourishing, enjoyable lunch. Not only does most takeout have high potentially harmful chemicals, which Factor One doesn't, They're also ready more quickly than restaurant delivery. Factors fresh never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy. We have been loving the convenience of factor one foods this year. It's been perfect for cold before work and you can customize your selection of meals. With 34 chef prepared dietitian approved weekly options there's always something new to try. Enjoy meals for any time of day with breakfast options like egg bites, smoothies, and more. Plus replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45 plus add-ons. We choose the chef's recommendation and it does not disappoint. Honestly, the proportions are really satisfying. You can get America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit and start saving time eating well and living your best year ever. Head to factormeals.com wholeview50 and use code wholeview50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code wholeview50 at factormeals.com wholeview50 to get 50% off your first box. I love that you brought in the idea of safety. I think that hopefully resonates with a lot of people. And I know for me, it aligned with the work of Maslow. So I've talked before about Maslow's hierarchy and he actually published
0: in um,
1: in one of his unpublished papers, actually. So I guess it was found after he passed. It's called Is Human Nature Basically Selfish? There was a quote that really resonated and he said, "Maslow noted that healthy selfishness is a healthy respect for one's own health, growth, happiness, joy, and freedom and can have a positive impact on both the self and on others. So I wanted to kind of look at what is healthy selfishness and is actually defined in an extensive review published in 2020 so gonna talk a little bit about science because my listeners love science so this is not all woo-woo emotional stuff there's lots and lots of studies supporting the idea that by supporting ourselves and our emotional well-being with healthy selfish acts that it increases not only our well-being but others so, The three that I found that I wanted to share, the first is from 2013, and it was a study looking at selfish or selfless behavior. And the quote says, not surprisingly, helping behavior were associated with significant increase in the attractiveness of both men and women as potential long-term partners. Mm -hmm. So we see in others that when they are participating in behaviors that could help us that we want to seek to be with them. So it also makes sense that we as women have developed a lot of these behaviors to attract and maintain our relationships, right? A lot of us are care providers to those in our homes. And if we are not protecting ourselves, then we're going to hit that burnout, that tired phase that you talked about, Nina, at the beginning. So, well, what I thought was interesting was another study from 2022, and it was called The Cocksure Conundrum. And it did a meta analysis in human behavior and psychology to find that selfish behavior in men can be seen as overconfidence, which is an effective tool for attracting mates and driving away competitors which suggests that they should express more overconfidence than women. So again, we're seeing this like basis and driver for women to kind of not put themselves first. Here we are, we're attracted Mm. to men who are overconfident, but women who are overconfident are not seen the same way as attractiveness. So we've kind of got this, this basis in science and what, We can then take from that what we can impart on ourselves is like, okay, that's built in the past. What can we do to kind of change for our health and well-being going forward? And here's where this extensive review on healthy selfishness comes in. And it talked scales for assessments of individual differences in two paradoxical forms of selfishness. So either healthy selfishness, as they defined and measured, they had an actual formula for whether something was healthy or not and then pathological altruism so in two studies that they constructed and then validated these scales they found that healthy selfishness was related to higher levels of psychological well-being and adaptive psychological functioning as well as genuine prosocial orientation whereas pathological altruism was associated with maladaptive psychological outcomes vulnerable narcissism and selfish motivations for helping others. So in that study itself, they shared another quote that I want to share that I think is a great mantra for us all to surround ourselves and repeat, which is any pleasure that does no harm to other people is to be valued. And I love this because it reminds us that we can have pleasure. That's my word of the year, that we can have pleasure without causing other people harm. And I think this idea of selfish being a four-letter word is because we're convinced that if we're focused on our own pleasure or doing selfish acts, that we're somehow harming others, that we're somehow taking something from other people. But life is not a pie because you're enjoying yourself and having pleasure and joy and happiness doesn't mean that someone else isn't. Um, so Nina, I'm, I'm curious if you'd seen any of those studies and what kind of results with improved wellness you've noticed in the work work. that you do when you're working with people and kind of helping them see kind of from that 2020 study, right? Like when you are able to get someone to make those choices, how is that showing up in their life in a positive way?
0: Oh my gosh, there's so much to unpack in what you said. And I want to get to that. What do I see when people actually step into pleasure, into self-care, into being in an authentic? Supportive relationship with themselves. So let me get there. I want to start with this idea of I love that that healthy selfish versus unhealthy selfish. And first, I want to just pull apart the word selfish, right? We I love the, your topic of selfish being. It's not a four letter word, but if we just actually pull it apart, selfish. It's one of the things that that I teach about often. Is let's reclaim that we say something's blue. We said we feel bluish. Or we feel you know that something is ish, you know it's a little bit ish, so what if we felt self-ish like ourselves, not selfish, like it was giving away ourselves, or that we were had to sacrifice ourselves, or that we were being bad, but no, we are selfish, we are like our authentic selves, right? That's that place that you said it comes from. This place of healthy selfishness, healthy being our self, so important to reclaim that whole concept of selfish. To be yes, I am being true to myself. I am being in the world as myself because myself has something to contribute to this world. When we are authentically ourselves, when we have our voice, when we have our energy, our sense of vitality, our sense of vibrancy, there's no stopping us, right? We have so much to give the world if we're being ourselves. If, however, and this is when you were talking about the unhealthy selfishness, and talked about this place of pathological altruism, it starts to go into codependency. Right? Codependency is this idea that if you're okay, then I'm okay. And I'll do whatever it takes to make sure you're okay. And we've all seen our mothers, our grandmothers, some sister, somebody who's like, oh, no, no, let me take care of everything. So everything works out and then the, everybody else will be happy. And if everybody else is happy, then I gain self-worth and then I'm okay. Oh my gosh. Right. Just like you said, burnout, exhausting. So codependent. And completely outside of our control. Right. That's the other That's the other element of that.
1: Like, I'm like, how, how can you ever make your happiness dependent on someone else's happiness when you can't control their happiness, you know? Well, you cannot,
0: you cannot, that's the, the falseism in codependency. That's the belief, right? And then it's ultimately disappointing because you can't control somebody else. So then it comes back to, wait a second. If I'm not going to choose, if I'm not, not going to opt in to this toxic, give, give, give mode, which is that. Pathological altruism, which is codependency. Then then, okay, then what? And what you've opened the door into, which is the work that I do with women, is then wait, I actually focus on what supports me, what gives me pleasure, what allows my nervous system to shift from that, ah, getting chased by a bear to oh, I'm on the beach, you know, someone's coming to me with a nice, you know, iced tea with an umbrella on top. That's a very different nervous system response. And when we can shift into that place of pleasure that doesn't harm somebody else, we gain back our nervous system in a regulated way. So many of us go through life. With a dysregulated nervous system for a million reasons, because our world is wild, because we have trauma, because we just had a fight with somebody who we care about. All the reasons, right? Because we're unsure about rent or mortgage. We, yeah, we spent two minutes in traffic or on social media
1: or, you know, it's like it's hitting us all the time. All Casey. the time.
0: Yeah. All the time. So true, Stacy. So when we're in that place of Oh my gosh, I can't catch my breath. How do we shift? This is where the pleasure comes in. This is where being like ourself, being selfish comes in. How do we shift from that? I'm being chased from a tiger by a tiger to, ah, I'm being sitting on the beach and somebody's bringing me an iced tea. Pleasure, 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 pleasure. And slowing down is what allows us to actually experience pleasure. So when we say to ourselves, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for pleasure. That moment of, oh, okay, how do I make space within myself? How do I take five minutes, 10 minutes, a whole freaking day to myself to And one of the things, this was in one of my early programs, I had this concept and I called it the 10, 10, 10. It meant taking 10 minutes, three times a day to just be with yourself for yourself, right? We spend 10 minutes scrolling on social media. If it was 10 minutes, okay, what do I want to do? And my recommendation is really play with is go, okay, I could do 10 minutes here, 10 minutes, there. because we do, we do 10 minutes of waiting on hold. We do it all the time. So taking two of those tens and making them fixed. Okay, what I know I need every day is I need a cup of tea or I need to fill a thermos with, you know, a smoothie. I need to make myself a lunch. Okay, that's going to be in, t- in one of my tens every single day. Another one of my tens is before I even step out of my car at work or before I step out of my car to go home, I'm going to sit there quietly, listen to music or listen to meditation. I'm not getting out of my car for 10 minutes. There's a 10, right? Or I'm going to pull up. The driveway,
1: like 10 minutes is sort of my favorite (laughs) place in the world. And sometimes the kids will come out, like they see that I'm home and they'll come out Mm -hmm. to bother me. They don't. I mean, that's not right. They come out to to engage. Yes. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I feel bothered because I'm in my safe space. I'm in Mm -hmm. my 10 minutes of, you know, like Zen space and often listening to a a book or like, you know, doing something for myself. And I think the other part of this and I, I love this idea of 10, 10, 10 is creating some boundaries around that. Right. And like, yes, communicating to my children who. Are old enough to understand they're mm-hmm. teenagers, but yeah. also if they aren't, if you, you know, communicating with your partner or whatever it may be and saying, This is the space that I'm having for myself, right? Because oftentimes <laughs> mothers do this while they're like going to the bathroom, and yeah. I would argue that that's that does not count as your 10 10 10, right? Like, yeah, you're, going to the grocery store does not count. No, as ten, 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 no, 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 unless no. these are places that truly bring you joy, right? Like, and mm-hmm. for me doing my skincare in my bathroom truly brings me joy. That's a 10 for me. But using the bathroom and taking a little extra time because I'm trying to find some, <laughs> like a little bit of space yes. for myself, that doesn't count. Like no. I I just really want to encourage us mm-hmm. to like, take take the time, ask your partner if you need to, like I need 10 minutes a day. That is a fair ask.
0: That, that is more than a fair ask. And some might say, what is, you know, 10 10 10 going to really do for me. And what it does is it reminds us of who we are when we're not on fire. And that is important because so many of us feel like we are in that sympathetic nervous system in fight or flight, in go mode, in fire mode. And that 10 goes, wait a second, this doesn't have to be my reality. And shifting into That sense of parasympathetic to rest and digest in those 10 minutes of giving myself something isn't selfish. It's necessary. It's absolutely required for us to get through life in a way that feels like this is my life. I'm not just on a treadmill that's actually just going too fast and I'm constantly trying to catch up. That's exhausting. It makes us feel like a failure. And it makes us feel unworthy and we do not deserve that. You are, you are absolutely worthy. Life is going fast. Yes, we don't have to keep up in that way. We can slow down and in that slowing down, we're actually supporting our entire well-being. And yes, do we have 5 million things to do? Of course I remember when I was like trying to like get more productive and I got all these books about productivity and I was like, great. And one of them was like, you can reasonably do 10 things a day. I literally laughed out loud. I was alone reading it and I laughed out loud. I was like, 10, there's like 50 on my list. 10 is not gonna do it. And I was like, okay, I need to get a little more realistic about what's doable. Because if I'm always working. At this idea that there's more to do than I am never enough. And that feels bad. And we don't deserve it. And then often, and these are the women that I work with, is the never enough shows up as, oh, I should go on a diet so that I'm better, right? I got to fix something in my life. I don't know what I can control, but I can control what I eat. So let me restrict. Let me go on the next diet. And oh my gosh, I can't hold that one. So I've failed again. It's exhausting,
1: friends. A lot of you are having some dry skin woes, and I want to help. You can try out my suggested products at beautycountercom Toth, and if you're using an email that's never ordered before, get twenty percent off with code CleanForAll20. Did you know that not all acne is oily skin? In fact, most is a dry skin issue. Even if you're seeing surplus oil in your skin, if you have any dry patches, tightness or redness at all, I like to treat it as a dry skin issue. So whether you, like me, are still dealing with breakouts in your 20s, 30s, or 40s, or you have teens who are starting a skincare routine, here's my super simple solution. Use the Clear Pore Cleanser with Gentle Jojoba Beads, which are most like our body's own sebum, to gently exfoliate. And then apply Countersun Sheer Events Daily Moisturizer with SPF. Not only will you or your kids thank you later for preventing sun damage, but the zinc is anti-inflammatory and nourishing ingredients can be powerfully healing for breakouts. Add three to five drops of the brightening facial oil if the skin is still tight, red, flaky, or oily in some areas but not other places. Trust me. Worst case scenario, if it doesn't work, you can use the 60 day money back guarantee to return. Plus, you get to vote with your wallet, shopping with businesses that align to your values. Shopping with beautycounter.com slash Toth supports my woman owned small business, and it also is a certified B Corp that prioritizes sustainability, safety, and scientific testing. We're getting safer products into the hands of everyone through health protective laws, while also giving back to people and the planet through sustainable fair trade ingredients. We literally changed America's personal care industry with mokra I love getting to help you pick out just the right thing to love the skin you're in. So email me, Stacey, at realeverything.com if you want help, or go to beautycounter.com slash Toth, just like any other website, and choose me, S-T-A-C-Y-T-O-T-H, and use code CLEAN for all 20 for 20% off at beautycounter.com slash Stacey Toth. I think oftentimes we don't even realize that that's our go to, right? Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. it's been so conditioned societally that we don't recognize that when we're trying to take care of ourselves, that we're then doing things that really have no effect on the feelings that we're having. But we've been conditioned to think, oh, let me do whatever this thing is, right? If it's dieting or if it's, taking supplements or yeah you know, whatever those things are.
0: Would it's a desire for a plan. We yeah. want a plan.
1: None of those things are affecting us uh-uh. having our 10 10 10 or going to yeah. bed earlier or saying no to things like yeah. I want to tell this story because I think it's it's really relevant. And part of what I where my mind went when you were talking is this idea that you know we need to we need to do these things because society is this rush, 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 go, go, go. And I, I have found personally that as I implement these kinds of things in my life and I create these boundaries, that it can feel really awful for other people who kind of desire that but aren't doing it for themselves. And so you might get pushback from people in your life, friends, family, colleagues, whatever it is, if you start creating boundaries. So let's say, for example, you tell your boss who has gotten used to you answering emails nights and weekends, you know, I am not in a position where I can continue to be on call all the time. These are the hours in which I'm going to check my work email. If there's an emergency outside of that, please call my phone. And that will keep them from like texting you or emailing you just FYI, nobody wants to pick up the phone. <laughs> but I, that's an example of kind of a boundary that in in a normal world for me, I wish I had done, right? Like when I was working in corporate America, I did not have that boundary for myself and I ran myself ragged. Had I done that, it would have changed my life. But I felt like I couldn't do that because I was a fat woman in a career and we had a Previous show about weight discrimination and feeling the need to prove myself and overworking and all these things. And realizing now, like, I was really good at my job. Nobody was going to do anything about me saying, I'm not going to answer emails on the weekend. Call me if you need something. But at the time, it felt like I couldn't do that. And so, I'm starting to implement that in my life now where I'm feeling some of that burnout or I'm feeling that pressure to do something I don't really want to do. And so, The other night we were hanging out as a, as a group and my neighbors and I, we play Mahjong. It's a tile game together, Mm -hmm. like once a month. And they were talking about a neighborhood community event and it was like a gala fundraiser kind of thing. And they were talking about who, who was doing what for the, the gala and the fundraiser. And it was like, Mm -hmm. you know. I'm doing this and I don't really want to, but I got roped into it. I'm doing this. I don't really want to, but I got roped into it. And they're trying to get me to do this and blah, blah, blah. And it came around to me and I was like, oh no, I'm just not answering the emails. (laughs) And they looked at me like, what? Why are you doing that? And I was like, this is not something I have time for right now. I'm happy to donate and participate in the there was like a silent auction. I'm like, I'm going to check out the silent auction. If there's something I want, I'll, I'll donate and participate, but I do not have the bandwidth. And I, I'm choosing not to participate in the planning or, you know, going to the event or anything like that. And they looked at me like, I wish I could do that. And I looked back and then I, you could choose to do that. And I think this is where, you know, I want to give a couple of specific examples for people because it's just about like, these big picture things are feeling like, you know, you're pressured. I mean, I think we talked a lot about like with children and different things, but these are two examples that are just about you and creating some boundaries that might be perceived as selfish because you're doing them for yourself. By carving out weekend and days off, like that allows you to have pleasure and joy and spend time with your family. The reason that you work, is likely because you want to have money for yourself, your family, and all these things. And so, if your work is preventing you from spending time on those things that you love, what is really the point of? It? And can you examine different areas of your life to, you know, downgrade your house or your cars or whatever it might be, if that's what you need to do to like not have to give up this time with your family? And I say that as someone who has made those choices in my own life to have those connections and I just find it to be really powerful and empowering in my own life to make those kind of selfish choices that's not for the betterment of you know one other particular person or one other corporation like you know the gala survived without me it was fine (laughs) like and I feel Good and comfortable about the decision that I made. And I think that's another thing that we need to work on, right? Is this idea of the guilt and the shame that comes with some of those selfish decisions, because it doesn't behoove us to make these selfish decisions that are truly about our own well being. I'm going to remind us of Maslow's quote, right? Healthy selfishness is a respect for one's own health, growth, happiness, joy, and freedom that can have a positive impact both on the self and on others. And we can't do that if we're saddled with guilt and shame from the decisions that we're making. That sends us down, this is our third reference to Brene Brown, that shame cycle and her work has done tremendous like awareness in terms of how prevalent shame is and how powerful it is. And we have to be willing to let go of those things To truly be able to get the benefit, as you were talking about, Nina, with our nervous system relaxing and being able to enjoy those pleasures to get the health benefits from it.
0: Absolutely. It's important to pull apart this idea of guilt and shame. And I'm so glad you brought it up. Literally, as you were saying guilt, I was writing it down. I was like, guilt, right? It's that sense of if I don't say yes, then. I'm doing something wrong. That's guilt. I'm doing something wrong. And if I don't do what I think is right, then I am wrong. That's shame. That I'm fundamentally a flawed human if I don't say yes. And that's a construct, again, we've gotten from a patriarchal society that says a woman's worthiness is in how much we give how much we sacrifice. And to come right back to your quote from Maslow, it's not true. That's not true. Our constant giving, giving, given actually diminishes our sense of agency and power in our culture. So we want to reclaim. And how we reclaim, come back to this idea of boundaries, is to look at where am I saying yes? Because that's a little easier to look at first. Where am I saying yes? Who have I said yes to? I said, yes, I would do this carpool. Yes, I would volunteer for this gala. Yes, I will do this project. It's much easier to see where we have agreed because it's easier for us to say yes. And then the question underneath that is where would I want to say no? Where do I wish I was saying no? Even if you can't get to your no, starting to listen in. Really tuning in. Where is my no? What do I have? and and I'll tell you a story. So I work, I do body piece work, and there's a lot of admin that goes behind it. And it's a certain part of my growth. I was like, oh my gosh, I need help. And so I reached out to an assistant and I said, I know I need you. I just don't know how to use you. I don't know how to use help. Because I'm so used to doing it all myself. And she said to me, when you're doing something and you're thinking, oh, I hate this. I can't stand this. I wish someone else was doing it. She said, that's my job. She said, I love doing that stuff. And I was like, seriously? So all day I'd be like, oh, my God, I cannot believe I am doing this admin stuff. I do not want to be doing this. And I'd write it down. This is for someone else. This is for someone else. And in the beginning, it was just recognizing that's what she was asking me to do. Just notice the part of you that's like, I don't want to do this. I resent doing this. I wish this wasn't me. Those very strong kind of like responses, we want to hear from them because they have wisdom and doesn't mean we go to those people and go, I ain't doing this. This doesn't work. But we listen to ourselves and go, you know what? There's a boundary that needs to be set. So watch for the yeses because that's easy. And then listen in between the lines for the places of resentment, exhaustion, because those are the no's.
1: I had like a full body shiver when you said, what do you wish you could say no to? Because I think Mm -hmm. that's a really great way to phrase You know, you hear a lot like, oh, say yes less often or choose to say no more often. But I think truly looking at everything and saying, what do I wish I could say no to? And for me, that kind of makes me a social black sheet sometimes. Like my children don't do a ton of after school activities. They don't Mm -hmm. do a lot of that kind of stuff because A, I don't want to be schlepping my kids around. B, what I really want is for us to have a family dinner together every night. And that is really important to me for us to connect as a family. And if we were all running around because I have four kids, we couldn't do that. That's my personal choice. It's not a judgment on anybody for how they're choosing mm-hmm. to live their life. But I think like that was something that that I had to realize in myself, like what was important for me to say no to. And I remember when the kids were younger and they were asking about like music, lessons and sports and these kinds of things, I said to them one per quarter one at a time Mm -hmm. do whatever it is but one per quarter and then they each did like a couple of different things and then they're like yeah no I'm done with that I just want to like play with the neighborhood kids or you know I'll do stuff at school but like I think they also realized that it was helpful for them to have the downtime after school right yes there's so much required of children we live in a very like high functioning high performance affluent county where the requirements for school are very high oftentimes my kids stay after school for you know academic achievement or go early to school for like school activities and different kinds of things and like that is in and of itself plenty like for yes. me, in my opinion if you're what you're trying to do is build a college resume like if that's what my kids are you know overextending themselves for like let's reevaluate what we really need for you mm-hmm. to like feel and function your best. Cause I don't want them to look back on like their teenage years or whatever and feel like they didn't get time to be children, which is I think where we live the situation that a lot of teenagers find themselves in. Right? Like they're just constantly in school doing homework and doing all that kind of stuff. So um I think even children can apply some of these concepts that we're talking about. And as a parent, if you're modeling it and you are choosing these things for yourself, like for me, I do this, you know, hotel mommy thing when I'm feeling overwhelmed and I need alone time where I put a sign on the door and everybody leaves Mm -hmm. me alone for 24 hours. And they, Mm you know, we do garçon ordering room service and I pay them. (laughs) (laughs) to like bring me food and whatever and they put it outside the door I'm like you know just leave me alone that doesn't (laughs) cost me any money and it shows them that I have needs that are being met and Mm -hmm. it models those kinds of things and I've heard my children say later to me like I really think that I just need some downtime like I'm just gonna go to my room and you know I'm gonna take a nap or I'm gonna do whatever and I'm like how wonderful that they're learning those things at that age, because what I was learning is also culture. What I was learning was perfectionism. What I was learning is like to do all these things and it 100% did health and well being. as I, you know, didn't eat healthy, didn't take time to exercise, didn't do a lot of these things later in life that then kind of caught up to me. So I love this whole conversation, and I think hopefully listeners, you're seeing how important selfish choices are for your health and well-being as well as those around you. Cause I think what I hear most often from people is like, how can you do hotel mommy without feeling guilt? Like, how can you do that and not feel whatever? And so I hope that some of these things that we've talked about today will help you realize how important it is, not just for yourself, but others. For you to enact some of these healthy selfish behaviors, and I know we've talked about several things, but Nina, you know I always like to leave listeners positive, actionable suggestions. So so far we've mentioned the mantra quote of any pleasure that does no harm to other people is to be valued. Right, put that on a post-it note. I love that quote from The Conquest of Happiness by B. Russell. I don't know who that is, but I found the quote and I loved it and put a reference for you in the show notes. Nita, you also talked about 10 10, other... ten. ten, ten, ten. That's what it was. I was like ten, ten, 10 But I would love for you to explore some other ideas that you have for people to implement some of these healthy, selfish behaviors. And yeah. before you dive into that, I also want to plug Working with you, either through your free resources at ninamandelsoncom slash freebies or your body piece app, uh, these are choices that one could make to choose some healthy, selfish behaviors, right? If, if you're yes. feeling, if you're listening to the show and you're like, whoa, this hit me really hard. This is something I need to work on. One of the things that you could do is work with Nina <laughs> so, and at the very least follow her on social media. So that you can be inspired to do some of these things. But what what else do you find is a actionable thing that someone can do to bring the concept into their life without shame or guilt?
0: Yeah. So I want to plug that 10-10-10 again. Even if it feels like three times, even if you start with one, I'm going to take 10 minutes. Where is that going to happen? How is that going to happen? And putting it in your calendar I know many women are like me, we live by our calendars. If it's not written down, it doesn't exist. So write it down. Write down these are my 10 minutes. Non-negotiable. Put it in three times, truly. And one of the things that I want to say is make two of them anchors. Anchor tens that you know. This is, you know, I wanna I wanna just breathe for 10 minutes and I wanna to listen to music for 10 minutes or make a lunch. And one is like a wild card, right? Oh, I have 10 minutes. What would be most nourishing? It's beautiful out. I'm going to go outside. Or, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. I'm just going to lay down and put my feet up the wall. Let it be a wild card because what that wild card does is invites you to ask yourself, oh, what do I want here? What would nourish me? How do I take care of myself? Right? It could even be in that wild card. I'm going to make a list of what I've noticed today, of what I wish I was saying no to. But leaving space for you in your day is important. You are important. We are all important. And knowing ourselves, connecting to ourselves, feeling worthy, feeling like we're valuable just by being ourselves is gold. And we want to make space for that in our life. So that's my invitation.
1: I love it. I love those ideas. And listeners, if you want to hear more from Nina, again, you can find her at NinaManelson.com. We'll put links in the show notes for you. She's on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, her new body piece Uh app as well as the Body piece Journal and tons of freebies at nina slash freebies. Nina, thank you so much for joining us again and having this conversation. I think it's incredibly powerful, both from you know an emotional well-being as well as physical health. That mm-hmm. reminder of safety and our nervous system is incredibly important as it impacts things like inflammation and our ability to fight and fend against, yes. you know, harms that come to our body. If it's yeah. already heightened mode, because we think we're being chased by a tiger all the time, then it's so much more easier for us to be ill. And that means not being there for others. So all of yeah. this is so important and a great reminder. And listeners, if you'd like to know what we really thought, join us over on patreon.com slash the whole view, which is the best place to ask questions. If you love the show that we create and produce ourselves, the Patreon is a great way to support the show, but so is just leaving a review or hitting the follow or subscribe button in whatever podcast app you're using. Just go to the top right corner where there's three little dots, say subscribe or go and leave a review. It means so much and helps others find the show. Um, And of course, like I said, we've put a list of resources in the show notes for you at realeverything.com. And I want to thank you for tuning in today. We appreciate your willingness to be open to growth through your own personal changes. No one is perfect, but in listening, learning, and unlearning, we can become better versions of ourselves. And thank you, Nina, again for joining
0: us. Thank you.